Hey friend, I have a really awesome guest today and I cannot wait to share this conversation with you. Rebecca Dollard is a life coach for moms, an Enneagram coach and a mentor who refuses to accept burnout and self-forgetting as a given in life and motherhood. She loves seeing the light come back into women's lives and eyes after she is working with them and watching women live out of overflow when they finally have the support and the sovereignty to lead their own lives, relationships, and work. So Rebecca is from Northern Colorado. She has been married to her husband, Jay, for 12 years and has two kiddos. So she's in it with us with motherhood. And she has a whole messy, nuanced, and wonderful life inside and outside of her work. She loves all things reading, movement, and lifting weights, and is just as sarcastic as she is spiritual. Becca is also really a good friend of mine, and so I have found the work that she does to be incredibly valuable and to have made really big changes in my own life and in my own relationships. So I am really, really excited to dive into our topic today. We're really talking about how our emotions in our bodies and how we experience our emotions and how that actually relates to hormone balance and safety in the body. So grab a little drink. This is going to be a good one. And I can't wait to share it with you. Welcome to the happily hormonal podcast. Now, if you're a little iffy on whether or not the word hormonal is a good one, you're in the right place. My name is Leisha Drews, registered nurse and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner turned holistic hormone coach. And after going through my own hormone journey and having my three babies, I actually believe that our hormones are one of the greatest gifts that we've been given as women. And that no matter what you've been told, it's possible for you to have thriving energy, good periods, and a stable mood all month long. And I am here to show you the way. I think it's time to change the narrative around words like hormones and hormonal and start to reclaim the power that we truly have as women, which is the power to change not only our own health, but the health of all of our family for generations to come. Hormone balance doesn't have to feel hard. It can actually feel simple and fun when we do it in a way that aligns with how our bodies were made. If you're ready to start trusting your body again and feeling really good in that beautiful body that you've been given, then grab yourself a yummy drink and maybe a snack and let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I just want you to know that I am actually recording this podcast from my sauna in the garage because I have a very loud family and I am trying to figure out how to podcast while my family lives at my house. So I have my friend Becca here today. I'm so excited to have her. She understands loud families because she has one of her own. So I'm going to have her just introduce herself a little bit. And then we are going to dive into some such good stuff today. And I cannot wait. The hilarity before we started recording, as I told Leisha, she was like, I'll have you introduce yourself. And I was like, "Mm, I never know what to say. Like, are we just like, do I say really random things? Do I like really introduce my family, which I love doing, by the way, I love, I actually love telling people about who I am, but I think I get overwhelmed when it's like, oh, give a couple sentences because I don't think about myself in that way anymore. Like I'm so nuanced and there's so many different things. But anyways, I think the biggest thing I would want to introduce myself is that I I got into life coaching for me. Like it was something I did for me because for years I had this like, this isn't it. Like I just remember hitting this point in motherhood of like is this it? Like, is this how it feels forever? And I didn't want to go back to like talk therapy, but I also didn't know any other context of like help. Like what's wrong with me? Like, why, why do I not feel like everybody else's lives look (laughs) like one, their lives probably didn't feel much different, but also I just didn't know how to get from here to there. And I was struggling and I found life coaching and that didn't make everything shiny and pretty, but it did, it did make me come alive again. And that's really like the context of like how I got to where I was going. It's just little step by little step. And so anyways, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a mentor. I'm all of these different things. I, I love my life. I think that's pretty cool to say, like, 
I genuinely look around and love my life. And that's not out of context of all of the other stuff that is also very real and messy and hard. But in general, I feel pretty good. Even when I don't feel good. (laughs) Is that it? Is that a good intro? That is it. That is like a bad intro. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And you know, I think that even just what you said about like loving your life in the midst of the messy and the way that other people's lives look around us. I just think that that's a really, really good intro to what we're talking about today, because Hmm. I've definitely had the same, like looking around at other people and being like, oh, like that mom over there has her stuff together or that business owner, like she has it together. And as much as especially Instagram is like a really good place to feel that way. Like everyone else has their stuff together. I know some incredible women, like incredible women. And I promise you, none of them have their crap together when you actually get to know them. Like literally no one I've met. And so if you are the one who really does, I want to get to know you. And I haven't met a woman yet who like has it as together as reception is on the outside. And so today we're really going to dive into talking about our emotions and how we feel them in our bodies and how that actually impacts this idea that I'm always talking about of creating safety in our bodies. And I think that it's so important to realize that it's not just about the food and the sleep and the exercise, even though obviously I'm a huge advocate for all of those things. But Mm -hmm. I have realized personally, in maybe even just the last six months, especially that I have had a chronic like stuffing down my emotions and just what Becca would say is like over-functioning. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it can feel like that's working for you and it can feel like a good thing because you're not actually paying attention to anything and you're just powering through all the time. And so I really just want to start with having Becca kind of share with us how we can know if the way we're feeling our emotions or handling our emotions is within healthy boundaries or if it's kind of that over-functioning or under-functioning, because I think that so much of the time we're not even aware. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to go back to like where we started even of our culture has a really, I would say, distorted and unhealthy, even just like approach and view, not only of life, but even like health. And like, we're talking like physical health, but also recognizing that like the holistic view is like, your body, mind, soul, spirit, all of those things, they're working holistically together. And when you're only looking at one part of the system, you're missing how it works integral, like how it has all of its parts. It's like getting on a plane that doesn't have a flange, just kidding, that doesn't have like a wing, that doesn't have like what it needs. And our culture approaches mental and emotional health very much like this. It's just like you're either we see it in this like black and white picture of like, you're either really, really good. And you're this healthy person who has it all together. And we kind of like idolize and pedestal people. And I think what happens too, is we do that to ourselves and we do it to other people where we stop recognizing humanity. We stop recognizing that even if you have this beautiful life or marriage or family that you love, like you're still human you are still going to experience being in a human body and life comes with hard stuff when you're paying attention, right? And so I think culturally we have to shift even what how we're talking about like, what does it mean to be mentally healthy, right? What does that even mean? Does that mean that you're functioning? Because a lot of my clients who are coming to me, they're not under-functioning. They're not unable to get out of bed or like having all of these like really catastrophic behaviors or relationships for the most part. Right. And it's true that like a lot of those are in the lens of therapy outside of coaching, but I do see a lot of over-functioners and I think it's a lot easier because from the outside looking in, it looks really good. In fact, like the hardest thing about it is that it works. And it doesn't just work for the people around you. In some ways, it's intuitive and intelligent, and it's something that you learned for a purpose, and it is working for you in some way to over-function. It's keeping the cards stacked. It's keeping 
the chips together and not allowing you or other people to face the consequences of their actions. That's the biggest way that I see over-functioning is this isn't just like you taking over the practical things of your family. This is like, I am carrying all of the emotional and mental health of my husband, my friends, my family. Like I'm doing all of the emotional mental labor to keep everybody else okay. But you're completely ignoring everything that's going on internally. And what I would say, what's scary about it is that it works until suddenly it doesn't, until you burn out. And this isn't like a low level burnout. This is usually like a, I can't anymore. And all of a sudden your high functioning person feels completely, I use the word depressed, not in a like clinical depression. I'm talking about like the human experience of like, I can't anymore. I don't want to, I I don't feel this. I'm not feeling things because your whole body basically is just like, no, I can't do this anymore. And I think, you know, somewhere in between there of how do you know if you're healthy emotionally, man, I'm like trying to think of how to like reduce that to a statement. I think the biggest thing is recognizing it's like a big question moms ask a lot is like, how do I stop being triggered by my family? Like that's a really early question that we get in coaching is like, I'm so triggered by my husband or I'm so triggered by my kids. And they're starting to see these behaviors come out, right? Like that's oftentimes when moms get help is when their hard stuff starts impacting the people they love. If it's impacting them, they just like absorb it. They're just like, I'll be okay. It'll be fine. I'll just, it'll be good, which we can move into in a minute. But I think I would say it's not that you're not getting triggered. It's that you know how to come back to safety. It's that you're recognizing and aware of this is not just something external, but this is internal and it's real and valid without over-identifying or being flooded or getting stuck in it, right? You kind of start recognizing and riding the waves of what it means to feel, Mm -hmm. right? Because not feeling, you become numb, you're disassociating. But there's also like overfeeling where it's just constantly flooding you and you can't actually be in reality because you're all in your head and in your heart. And those are kind of both extremes. And I think it's this big roller coaster versus like these small waves of emotional feeling. And like, how do you ride the wave? I think is probably the biggest piece. Yeah. Well, I know that I kind of realized over time that the reason that I was so, and probably still am to a certain extent, but definitely like just holding my emotions in and like just really not feeling them and being like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Everyone else can fall apart around me and I'm good. And there's obviously like layers of reasons for that. And I found out that my fear really was that like, it would just have to be the opposite. Like if I wasn't fine, then I would just be an incredible disaster. And I would just be like flopping around on the floor crying all the time. And (laughs) that sounds so dramatic, but literally like, that's what I thought is that like to feel my emotions, like if I felt them, that they were like so big and overwhelming and scary that I wouldn't be able to handle them. And probably even like earlier than that realization, I wouldn't have realized it wasn't that I wasn't feeling my emotions at all. It was just that I was like feeling them when they were convenient or when it felt safe or muting them. And one of the things that I love that you talk about is that when we're not feeling those, like I'm just using air quotes for like negative emotions or like hard emotions, we're not able to have the capacity to feel as much joy either. And I know that I, like one of my biggest desires is to be present in the moment with my people, with my kids, like to just really be there and be all in. And that's something that I struggle with. It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to be all the things. And I'm finding that when I am honest with myself and present with my emotions, there's so much more ability to be present with my family. And so I know that that's something that we can kind of go into too, is like how, I don't know, I think there's a couple different directions here, but how we can start to feel safe 
Mm. with our emotions, maybe just like on a very small level. Yeah. I love that. Like you ended it with that question because I heard a couple different things in what you were saying. And one of the biggest things with women that I like teaching them is that like, when I say that we're going to learn how to feel your feelings and we're going to start paying attention and becoming aware of you, there's a reason why you've been ignoring it. And it makes sense. And like, it's not convenient. It, that's the thing with motherhood. Like it's not convenient to be feeling grief while you're trying to raise a toddler. It's not convenient to be dealing with anger or resentment or frustration in whatever area while you're also trying to raise this little person, right? Like it doesn't feel convenient, but I think even more than that, it doesn't feel safe because so many of us, like we weren't modeled this. We weren't taught this like at a very basic level. And so I think a lot of people never really saw what is a healthy range of emotion for a person. And like, what is like, what does that even mean? Right. Right. So I think the baseline of that question, like, how do we feel safe in that? Like, how do we create safety boundaries, boundaries? We have to understand where emotions belong because if we just open the floodgates, you are going to be flooded and it's going to feel impossible. And I think that's that intuitive part in nature of like your nervous system. And I think maybe we can go to this. I want to touch on this later of like, this isn't just emotion. Like I think a lot of people don't understand where emotion is. And I think even the experts like kind of change, but like emotion is in your body. Emotion is how you're experiencing the world. Emotion is how you are interpreting and how you are seeing, but more importantly, how you are experiencing and feeling your life. And when you turn that off, you stop experiencing joy and peace because you're no longer feeling the charge in your body. Emotion, if you think about it, it's sensation, feeling. What is feeling? It's literally sensing in your body. And so emotion is somewhere between like mental thoughts, but you don't feel every thought. You feel the thoughts that you believe, right? And this is where, you know, we could get more nuanced into there are things that we're thinking and believing that aren't happening around us, but that feel very real in our bodies Mm -hmm. because our bodies are experiencing it, even if it's not true. And I think this is where like a lot of people who have experienced traumas, especially, but even not just like big T traumas, like abuse or, you know, natural disasters or accidents, but even just like small little T traumas of like breaks and repair and relationship, gaslighting in childhood, like things just swept under the rug. Like you can understand when you start seeing all these nuanced of like, of course they don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, of course that doesn't feel safe to explore and feel. And I think This is one of the reasons why I love working with moms. I think we start to see it in our children. And all of a sudden we're like, how am I supposed to teach them how to feel angry when like I've completely disassociated from my anger? Yeah. And the thing I would say with safety too, is when you're not feeling those negative emotions, you are separating yourself from your own experience. You are separating yourself from your values. Like it's not just this like, oh, you know, anger is bad and negative and awful. It's like, no, anger is protective. Mm-hmm. Anger protects ourselves. Anger protects the people we love. And if you're having a hard time setting boundaries, you're probably disconnected from your anger, right? And you need that anger to be able to set the boundary and to be able to hold up the, the boundary. Like it is righteous. It is holy. And like, even these negative emotions. I think this is why we need the boundaries though, because there are some times where like, this is coming from the way that you're thinking. It is coming from your expectations. It is coming from a cultural standpoint versus like someone's attacking my child and clearly I'm angry and I'm going to do something about it versus a perceived threat. That's that safety piece is recognizing that your nervous system in your body, it's not just threat in front of you. It's remembered threat. It's remembered threat of 
oh, my kids wrestle playing. That wasn't allowed in my house. And so I have a physical reaction, even if it's not logical. I don't know why this is upsetting me. I don't know why it feels this way, but it is. You have to start understanding like your nervous system and your body and also the way that you're thinking, the way that you're believing. And that's like why I have such a holistic view on safety, on emotions is that like, you have to bring your mind back into this. You have to be able to like logically think through what's going on because your body is a mammal. Mm -hmm. When you are emotional, you are no more emotionally, mentally evolved than a toddler, right? Like, and and we are toddlers or teenagers, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're emotional teenagers and we're thinking like a teenager and we're having these like responses or reactions that don't feel safe even to us. So we need those boundaries of like, how do I feel this? How do I process this? How do I understand this and move through this without just like, leeching it out onto everyone else or being sucked into it, like where Mm -hmm. I can't get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about both sides and Mm -hmm. where you can go from each side. So let's start with the, like, I'm stuffing my emotions. I feel numb. I'm not feeling a lot of joy. Like where do we kind of start there? And then we'll talk about the other side. Yeah. Well, what's cool is like both sides are very similar. Yeah. Because when you're looking at emotion from the nervous system perspective, you get to really use the lens of fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And I think that's really, really helpful for people to understand when you're having these big, big responses, whether it's a big hyperactivation of overfunctioning or it's a big like shutting down, both of them are protective functions of your nervous system, your emotions and your body saying, I can't tolerate this. I'm out of my window of tolerance. And some of us respond to that by fighting and flighting, right? It's an overactivation. But like what you're saying is this, like the shutting down, mm-hmm. which is freezing and fawning and you're out of your tolerance. And so the first thing is one, even just recognizing that. Like recognizing like, this is not, this is not a moral flaw of character. (laughs) This has nothing to do with good or bad or awful. This is literally just, you are out of capacity. Like Mm -hmm. you're a five gallon tank and you are holding five gallons and your nervous system is telling you whether you like it or not. Like your body is saying, this is a functionality. Like you no longer can function by feeling You can no longer function by doing this because I'm shutting down now to protect myself. Yeah. To protect the people around me too. Mm -hmm. And it's just another way that I see proof that our bodies are working for us. Like that is a protective mechanism. And so when we feel this and we're like, okay, again, like I love what Becca is saying, like, this is not a moral issue. Mm -hmm. This doesn't mean something is wrong or you're doing it wrong. I think that the question to always go back to is like, is it serving you still? Yeah. Is it serving you now? Well, we take something that's already hard and we're adding shame and judgment to it. Instead of being like, oh, I'm at capacity and I'm feeling frozen. We almost like we add a whole nother layer of like dirty pain onto that. Instead of just recognizing like, oh, I'm feeling frozen. It's probably because I'm out of capacity and I need to slow it down a little bit. How do I unthaw that? And I think anytime awareness has to come first, because what I see mostly, especially in women, is this like, let me fix it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, let me just fix it. And almost always that response when you are already burnt out and overwhelmed. It's like answering, you're like, oh, this is exhausting. Let me do it harder. This isn't working. Watch me do it better. We're like, I'll just, I just need to be more perfect. I just need Mm -hmm. to, I just need to work harder. What, like, we think it's a flaw in our motivation or something like that when it's literally just like, you're at capacity. What needs to go? And I do think that, especially when you're in a fixed state like this, Mm-hmm. That is absolutely the time to bring in co-regulation because like this is such a big topic that it's like 
you have to learn not only how to regulate yourself, but you also have to recognize when you no longer are in a place to do that. Mm -hmm. This is the time to receive support. We, our bodies co-regulate with other bodies and they also co-dysregulate with other bodies, right? No kidding. And especially (laughs) if you are a mother or you have a partner, you are with someone who it's very easy to mirror the regulation or the dysregulation. And so for a lot of people, you do need to be receiving from someone who has capacity and space to help you thaw that in a way that feels safe to your nervous system, to your body, to your emotions, so that you can hold that space and that boundary. I think like on an easy, like on your own level, I would say you literally, just like you would say with like eating, safety, like that word of safety. And it's these simple things that people don't want to do. And we're sick of people telling us them because everyone's like self-care, you do this. And it's like, no, this is essential. This isn't, this is like literally what you need to be human. We've branded these things as self-care. And it's like, if you, if you don't do these things, you're going to feel like shit because you're not meeting your basic needs, but we've branded it self-care when it's, it's necessity. Mm -hmm. But the problem is we can function without necessity. It's just the way you're functioning. It's going to look like being frozen or numb or disassociative because your nervous system doesn't feel safe. So things like walking, music, right? Especially as women though, walking, do we just go for a walk because we need space? No, we have to go for a run because that's what's good for us. That's what we should do. That's what trains our bodies to be what it needs to do. We're like, oh, I'll just go get a manicure or I need a break for my kids. And it's like, that's great. We absolutely should do that. It works wonders and that doesn't help if you come right back into an environment that is so triggering for your nervous system because you're not caring for your emotions and your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like learning how to care for your emotions and your thoughts, that's how you do this. And that's not a skill that most of us have. Hey friends, sorry to interrupt, but I have something new and free for you. So it's going to be worth it. I just created a private pod course that is going to teach you all about how to actually balance your blood sugar for happier hormones and more stable moods and energy. And I'm giving away the first two episodes completely free. All you have to do is sign up and grab those and you will have complete access right away. Your link is in the show notes and I will see you in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that comes into like, how do we apply this to motherhood or like, how do we start to not only self-regulate, but like yeah, start to feel our emotions when there's so many emotions going on around us and like have that not just take you away. Yeah. That's we a million start- dollar question, isn't it? It is. No. And I'm thinking of like, which direction to start of this. So I'll always come back to this aspect of like awareness of you have to acknowledge like there is an experience going on here. Like I, I think you know this too. One of my like favorite exercises I have like all of my clients do first is like, I want you to start noticing when you have to go pee and how often you're just holding your pee. And I know that sounds so silly, but like as women, we have learned to ignore all of our sensations. Mm -hmm. We have learned to only look outside of ourselves for how we should feel and think and behave. And this isn't just a women's issue, by the way, this is also men and it looks different, but this is the lens. This is who I work with. So you have to start even being aware and paying attention to like, oh, what's that sensation of tightness in my chest? Right. But we're not doing that. What we're doing is like, oh my gosh, every night I feel so overwhelmed, but we don't, we don't know what that sensation is. Right. right? So we use these things like overwhelmed and it's like, is it overstimulation? Is it tiredness? Is it anger? Is it like sadness? There's so many different things going on, but we're not, we're ignoring it until it's this like big giant thing. So like just paying attention throughout the day, like what is the sensation going on in my body? Like, what is the feeling? Like, 
Is there tightness in my shoulders? Is there tightness in my chest? Like what is the emotion, right? Like one of my favorite tools is that emotions wheel of like, is this anger or is this annoyance? Right? Like in motherhood, I can't tell you how much that wheel helps me because for so long, the only like term I had was anger. And then it'd be like, oh, annoyance overstimulation, right? Because overstimulation is very different to deal with than my, like, this is one of the examples I love using. When my kids are fighting, I get really activated. I get really triggered. How I care for that emotion, I have to like sit with it and be like, okay, where is this in my body? First of all, and even just feeling it like even, okay, where is it? What does it feel like? Is it tight? Is it heavy? Like even just sitting in it for a minute, instead Mm -hmm. of just immediately reacting and behaving out of it, learning how to be with it and sit with it, but then naming it without judgment, like leaning into it with curiosity, like, okay, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What are the like thoughts running through my head? Because, and then I look around out at the world. Okay. Are they fighting? Yes. Is it out of alignment with like boundaries or what's healthy or okay? No, this is pretty like normal sibling bickery and I don't bickery. <laughs> and no, I, don't I think that's a like, perfect word. <laughs> it is. I don't need to like get involved. Like there's nothing to do, right? Because my nervous system is essentially like fight, flight, freeze, right? Like this is my nervous system responding with this case of emotion. But it's like, oh, I'm overstimulated. You know, what's not going to help overstimulation going and like yelling at my kids or setting, even like setting a boundary with my kids probably won't help with overstimulation because it's not actually about their behavior at that moment. Mm -hmm. It's about my capacity for what's going on. So then I'm like, okay, I need to put in my earbuds with some music and tone them out. Right. And I think that's the big thing with the boundaries thing. Do you see how like my emotions, if I don't have that boundary, to protect me, but also to protect them. I don't have anywhere to go with that emotion, but coming out at them or shoving it deep down and like just shoving it down, shoving it down, shoving it down. And when you're shoving it down, your body really has two options. Eventually let it all out Mm -hmm. and become this pressure cooker that somebody popped the top on. And it's all just spewing out at everybody. And you're like, I don't know why I'm like this. I don't know why I'm angry or cranky. And I'm not joyful and I'm not having fun anymore. And it's well, because you've starved down years of anger, irritation, resentment that in the moment felt really little, Mm -hmm. but now it's this big thing. If little things are feeling like big things, it's not the little things. It is a big thing because you've ignored it or your body goes, I'm just going to shut down and not feel anything. Right. When moms say like, I don't know who I am anymore. What I hear is I don't feel myself right? Like we use a language of like, I'm taking care of everyone else and I know what they want and what they feel, but I don't know what I want anymore. I don't know what I like anymore. And it's like, you stopped feeling yourself. You've shut down your nervous system or you like intentionally. And in like, and this isn't a judgment or shame thing. No, like it makes sense why we do this. It makes sense. And in short-term little bursts, it really works and it's really good. And we don't want to eliminate this part of ourselves as humans because it is protective in nature. When you're with someone who's harmful, you might need to fawn. You might need to people please and say the right thing to get out safely. Yeah. If a car is coming at you, your body needs to respond in flight. If there is danger coming at you and your body perceives, I can handle this threat, you need to be ready to fight. And I think a lot of women, and I, I, you know, I work with moms. And so, especially through the lens of like motherhood, all of a sudden you have this thing outside of you that your nervous system is also responding to. Yeah. Right. Like your heart is outside your chest. Like so many moms will say that your nervous system is now not only fight, flight, fawn and freezing for you, it's doing it for them. Mm-hmm. Your mama bear has awoken and all of a sudden you're like, why am I so angry? And I'm like, because you're giving yourself permission to be angry about things for them that you're not like giving yourself permission to be angry about for you. So I know that was like a very yeah. long winded way to the question you asked, but like you have to start just slowly thawing, slowly becoming aware that you have this. 
the only people who don't feel things are narcissists. So unless you're aiming to become a narcissist or a psychopath, like I would encourage you to like, that's probably not what you want. Like, I think a lot of us, we see these lives we want. We see this version of ourselves that we want and we don't recognize that emotion is how we get there. Like emotion is what's driving you, really. One of my like favorite visual, I love like visuals for people because sometimes it's so anchoring to a topic of like emotions are like a toddler in the car. And if you are not if you haven't built like that emotional intelligence and intentionally learned this, you probably weren't taught it. Maybe you were, I haven't met very many people, even who had healthy parents, right? Like this, this isn't even people who had like extremes of parenting. Like you could have had very healthy parents, but they were human and they likely didn't learn this. Like this is very new culturally to be talking about and witnessing like that. We sense things and feel things with our bodies. It's not all just logics and Mm-hmm. willpower and brute and all yeah, those yeah. good things like masculine energy. There's also this, like your emotions are driving you. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not paying attention, they are driving you because it's like this little toddler in the car and it's either driving the vehicle or you're like, Oh, this isn't working. So you like shove it in the trunk. But the interesting thing is that like, they still end up driving you because now you're driving from this like avoidance and numbness. And you're not paying attention because unlike toddlers, those emotions are telling you really important things. Mm-hmm. And, and more importantly than what they're telling you, this is how you feel your life. This is how you sit there on Christmas morning and actually feel joy being present with your kids instead of like, I'm witnessing all of this, but I'm just like a ghost. I'm just like, I'm here, but not really here. This is getting to the end of your life or a season and saying like, okay, all these great things happened, but like, I didn't feel it. I I didn't like, I was there. I knew it. I created it. I managed it. I cultivated it, but like, I never got to feel it or experience it. And like, that's the stuff of life. Like that's what it is to be human. And so like the boundaries concept is so important because it's like, we need those emotions in the car with us. We need that toddler in the car with us, but it needs to be in a car seat. Right. Like they need to be in a car seat. These emotions do not deserve to drive, but you need to know. You need to know what they need because they absolutely have needs. And the longer it takes you to meet them, they're either going to shut down and be non-responsive or they're going to throw a tantrum. And like, if your toddler is in the backseat throwing a tantrum, yeah, sometimes you can like drive and like have the capacity to keep going. And then all of a sudden you'll recognize like, I can't do this anymore. You need to pull over yeah, and get someone in the car with you to help deal with the toddler, like coach, therapist, like someone who is sturdy, who has those boundaries, who has that capacity and health. Because I think this is the other piece for women. I think protectively, we have witnessed that not everyone has the capacity to healthily help us. Yeah. Right. I see this, especially with like marriages, women will not talk about what's going on because frankly, the people they see around them, they're aware that these women are going to judge or shame not only them, but their husbands. And it's like, I'm just not going to tell anyone. And it's like, well, that's not healthy or helpful either. You need to be able to talk about these things and process them and get support with them in a way that's not like shameful or harmful or hurtful, right? Like we've talked about this a lot of like, I'm not going to share my grief with someone who's going to gaslight me out of it and be like, it has a purpose. It's like, okay, cool. That's not what I need to know or hear right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I like, don't take me out of it. Don't Mm -hmm. take it from me, but also don't jump in it with me where I now have to fix or comfort you or they do the victim villain story, which like we already have in our heads, right? I don't need anyone's help telling me that I'm victimized and it's his fault. I need someone who's going to validate what I'm experiencing and feeling while also saying not all of that is true. Mm -hmm. Like not jumping into my shit with me, like holding it for me, not holding it for me, sitting next to me without like drinking it in or jumping into it with me in an unhealthy way. So like 
sometimes we absolutely do need other people. And I would venture to say that all of us need that. One of my highest values, not just as a coach, but as a person now is to have someone in my life who I go to with all of these sob stories or all of these like things to work through it in a way that is both accountable and caring. Yeah. yeah. Like they they have boundaries around not just what I'm feeling, but what I'm thinking. And they are going to love me for where I am and not try to fix me, but they're also not just going to leave me there, but they're also not just going to like pressure me to move out of something like when I'm not ready yet. Yeah. And, and I see that happening a lot. And I think that that's a really important piece to think about if you are in this place of not really creating safety for your emotions where you're like, I don't feel safe to feel them and, or they're just everywhere. And I don't know how to pick them up. That is where it is so helpful to have that neutral space and like the loving space of a coach or a mentor or a therapist so that you can come with your stuff Mm-hmm. And have someone listen who is not in the midst of the mess with you. Yeah. So like they're not in sometimes, it. Sometimes sometimes our husbands are great to talk to. And sometimes they're not because they're dealing with the same stuff or they're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's for sure my kids. It's for sure the yeah. kids' fault. But like, and I want to add this too, because I think this should never feel inaccessible. Right. Because to be honest, I have Brene Brown. Like she was my first mentor. Like she has no idea who I am. And yet like I allowed her to speak into me. Like I received, like she has a book, Atlas of the Heart, that's all about emotions. And I think it's such a great approach, especially if you're new to this work, this work of like, I did air quotes there, of like emotions because she talks about it in such an accessible way. But it's also like, it's so good. Her book, it's not one that you'd want to read. Like, I'm just going to sit down and read this through, but like you could be feeling something and go look at it as like an index. She also did like a podcast series on it, but her, I think her languaging I find is a really good access point for a lot of people. If they're in one realm or the other, because it's literally just giving you a language you didn't even know. I think that's one of the biggest issues with emotions. Like we don't even know how to talk about it. We don't even know what we would say to someone. We don't know part of the boundary is even having language to describe what you're experiencing, what you're feeling and removing the judgment and shame of like, this is bad or wrong. A lot of us were raised with like anger or selfishness or judgment or resentment are like these bad things. They're these bad things that people feel. And the more you feel them, the worse you are. So we like, that's why we shut them down other than, oh, wait, this anger is coming from somewhere and it makes sense. And it's healthy. Mm -hmm. It's healthy to feel it. It's not healthy to be driven by it. And like toxically, like taking my anger and then spewing it onto you. No, this is my anger. Yeah. So I think podcasts and books And resources like that, like are very easily available and resource. And I think this, if this is an area you're struggling with, one of the coolest things you can do is to stop trying to do something and start receiving. Mm -hmm. At some point you have to stop reading the books and you have to start like actually doing things. But I think that will create, it gives you, it gives you a clear vision of like, if it's not this I keep forgetting that they can't see us. If it's like when when you're like, I think in life, it's so easy to be like, it's not this. Like that's where almost all of us start. Like not this, this like recognition or something inside of us that's like, not this. Like that's almost usually the root of like healing or like health or growth or development or expansion is saying like, not this, but there's a period in there where you're like, but what? Like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know any other way to function. You don't even know because your brain hasn't even seen that as an option yet. And so that's, I think, the beauty of like listening to coaching calls or being in a coaching community or these podcasts or books is because all of a sudden it's giving your brain like, here's another option. Here's something else we can try. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it's this. 
Mm-hmm. How will that feel? How will that look? Like, let's just try it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this overnight instantaneous, like, oh my gosh, everything's wrong. Let me fix it quick. It's like, no, just one little thing. Can I start, can I start noticing and just being aware of the fact that I have emotions? Right. Yeah. Like that's a very simple, basic place to start. And I think people underestimate it. And that's sometimes some of the most powerful work we can do is even just telling the truth. Like I always tell women, if you do nothing with me in coaching, but start telling the truth about your life, eventually you'll start acting on it. Like Mm -hmm. on your own, I believe that you are sovereign. And as soon as you start showing up to that and witnessing that you are the one living your life, like this isn't like a, this isn't something where it's, it's happening to you. Yeah. And that's that awareness piece. It's the self-awareness piece of, oh, I have a choice. Mm-hmm. I, I have a choice. And like, you may not get to decide that you're being triggered, but you do get to start learning how to relate and respond and react differently to that trigger. Mm-hmm. You do get to start recognizing how do I regulate my nervous system when I'm not triggered so that when I am triggered, I have capacity to handle it. Mm-hmm. Like we really underestimate this like, I'm doing really well, healthy. So we just stop doing all of the things that create the health. Yeah. And then we're like, why did everything fall apart? And it's like, that's because when you stop eating, you eventually starve. Right. Right. Like we've talked about this concept a lot of like, if you start changing the way that you're behaving, it's going to change the physiology. Yeah. Right. If you stop feeding yourself emotionally and showing up to this, you will create unhealthy again, right? Like that's why I I wish I, I'm trying to find language for this of like, I don't like this phrase, I'm healed. Or like, how do you know you're healed? It's like, I don't look at myself and say, I'm healed. Like my past stuff, it didn't go away. (laughs) And for so long I prayed for and wanted that to not be my story. It doesn't matter how fast you run or how hard you heal or how good you are at doing this work or how evolved or personal growth you become, like you can't outrun your human, right? but you can change how you're co-creating and interacting with it. Mm-hmm. Like, and when I think of healing, I think of like momentary and daily and seasonal choices I make of how am I showing up to my humanness, to myself, to my life? Like healing is not just these big, massive choices. It's these small little ones of like, okay, what now? right? Self-awareness almost always happens after, right? I'm sure everyone's had that moment where you look back and you're like, how did I not? And it's like, I don't know what now, what, what am I going to do with this information now that I have it? Like, am I going to choose something different? Am I going to choose to get support? Am I going to choose like in this moment to rest instead of over-functioning? Am I going to choose to tell this person the truth? Or am I going to choose to like keep hiding and lying and denying from this thing. There's a million different choices. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the couple of concepts that you've like briefly touched on and I know have been really helpful for me as kind of like a, like wrap up to this conversation Mm -hmm. are the first one that you touched on is honesty. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're in a place where you are doing a lot of people pleasing and fawning, then it's really easy to be like, well, I'm not just going to turn into a bitch, like, because that would be what being honest is. And that's not true. And that's, I think that you have to start with honesty to yourself of like, where am I right now? Yeah. Feeling those feelings and feeling those feelings again, like it doesn't have to be this big overwhelming thing, but you know, I'm in the kitchen with my kids and everyone's falling apart and I'm trying to get them out the door. This is a stressful situation for me that happens all the time. And instead of number one option is this is all their fault because they're children and they can't get it together, which is like a little bit true. That's why a little bit true, a little bit like there's a like I'm going to be mad at them. They deserve to get yelled at like all of these things that can come up in your head. Like there's an option. Mm -hmm. Or it's all my fault. I should have had it more together. I definitely go to that one a lot. Like, oh, if I had just gotten up earlier and like 
had their clothes laid out, then this yeah. would be a problem. Like we can go to either side of that, or we can realize in the midst of the messy, like, hold up. I am human. Mm-hmm. This is how my life is right now in this moment. And like, what am I feeling? Mm-hmm. How do I want to show up? Like, mm-hmm. am I t- like, could I say I'm a victim to that situation? I'm a victim to being late and my kids are yelling. Mm-hmm. Yes, I could totally go into that and I could act from that place, which would come out as anger or frustration or me just like having a little pity party in my head or giving some of that neutrality to it. Like, this is not a moral issue right now. Like, this is messy. I'm human. And like, mm-hmm. I am not a victim. So how do I want to choose to show up right now? Yeah. Well, and one thing I would add to that, I think there's a third option that I want to like voice. And I think this is the option many women are choosing is they absolutely move into shame. Yeah. And there is this internal and everyone's shame story sounds very different, but the underlying story of shame is there's something wrong with me. Like I have this deep internal flaw and and it's not fixable. It doesn't feel fixable. And like that, and it makes you immobile and it makes you so reactive because then you're just stuck there. Yeah. It it removes choice from it. But I think the thing that I like, I want people to hear is that like shame is absolutely a liar, but it's a really good one because it's almost always rooted in a story that's partially true. Like it has evidence Shame has evidence that it's using against you, but women have not been paying attention to and collecting evidence for their non-shame stories, right? Like even what you just said of that, like, like I loved how you said like this other option is recognizing, oh, I'm just tired and recognizing that like part of why you're struggling so much is because your expectation is not realistic, right? Not just like, for humanity, but for you, because the reality is that all of us have different capacities. All of us have different nervous systems. All of us have different stories and giftings, right? Like what brings one woman out of capacity is another woman's like, I am thriving. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can think of moms who are so sweet and kind and nice. And it's not because she's better than you. It's because she has a different capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because she has a different knowing and a different learning. And the cool thing is if you are willing to see this as like, a, oh, she has a gifting. I wonder what she could teach me because I bet part of that was learned. Yeah. I bet you could learn how to co-regulate to her and like receive from her in that. But shame says like, no, she's better than me. Yeah. And there's and so much wisdom in being able to put aside those shame stories. Mm. And I know that's like easy to say, but like being able to let that down a little bit and be able to learn from other women and not have it be this thing of like, we can't trust each other. And, you know, Mm -hmm. she's going to think she's better than me, or she's going to think she's, you know, my husband's whatever, like Mm -hmm. creating that safety in relationships Mm-hmm. where there is honesty, but I think it starts with honesty with yourself first. Yeah. Of like, Where am I? Yeah. How am I feeling? Mm-hmm. How do I want to show up for myself? Mm-hmm. And then that overflows into your family. And then that can start to overflow into your relationships when you're coming from a place of somewhat of peace with yourself. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's, that's a huge part of this. Well, and I want to like speak to like what you're taught, what you just expressed, like that's an internal boundary with shame. Like most, the biggest boundary women need to see and witness and recognize first. Like if you're bad at boundaries, like start here. What are my own boundaries that I'm breaking? And even internally, like one of the biggest boundaries I have with myself is like, I do not believe lies. I do not believe shame. When I hear shame in my head, I do not, I I will feel it in my body and experience it, right? Like that will happen. And I do not stay in that. Like I have an internal boundary and you better bet 
there are times where I just want to sink into it. I just want to lean into it. And then, but when I reckon, and this is where like that logical part has to come back in. This is where like the emotions, they're always real, but they're not always rooted in reality. Your shame stories, they have pieces of them that make sense, but shame always tells it in a way that is absolutely a lie because it attacks your underlying dignity and sovereignty and choice and your worthiness. And if you believe it, if you believe it, shame will, I want to say it doesn't drive your life. It stops it. It will just, it will cut you off from joy and connection and creativity. But that is an internal work because other people, it's really interesting. I think we want other people to heal our shame. And that does happen. And I think usually it happens by sharing story, but it also happens by internally recognizing and hearing like, oh no, that's shame. This is rooted in shame and recognizing like this is not an emotion that i need to sit and lean into and feel this is an emotion that i need to get help with and i need to heal from and i need to recognize the thoughts and beliefs that are driving this feeling because thoughts and beliefs create emotion they create sensation and that absolutely becomes your biology mm-hmm. but the good news is you can unlearn that you can unwind that and you don't have to stay there yeah. Yeah. And the slow, the slow and steady pace of this is where the real work happens and like where the real transformation happens. Yeah. And we're not talking about anything that's like, you can just make a decision and overnight things are going to change. Like it goes so well with what I teach in our bodies. Like mm-hmm. we have to create awareness. We have to understand what's actually happening. We have mm-hmm. to feel what we're feeling. We have to feel our hunger cues. We have to feel when we need to pee. We have to feel when we're overstimulated versus overwhelmed. And all of those things truly can be done in the context of living your busy life that you have right now. This is not something you need to start when it's the new year's. It's not something you need to start when your kids are older. Like it truly is work that can be done. That will improve the way you show up for the life that you love right now. And so it is so important. Well, and I think even like, I think sometimes I don't love calling it work, but I do like calling it work. I think the thing is it's making decisions and changing direction to your life. One little thing at a time. Like I like thinking of it as like a direction of like, you're moving either way. Like change is happening either way. Your life is going to continue no matter what your parenting or your relationships or your work, like time is passing either way. You can either continue in the direction you're going while witnessing like this isn't it, or you can change direction. And no matter how long it takes, actually start enjoying the direction you're headed in, actually start saying like, this is within my values. And I might not be behaving this way yet. I might not see like the manifestation or I might like the marriage isn't changing or I'm still doing this as a mom, but like I'm now headed in a direction that I actually like the direction and I like the destination I'm headed to. Like, it's like hitting a stoplight and being like, I guess I got to go home. And it's like, no, like just sit there for a minute. And then when it turns green, you go again. Like it's not going to be six night quick fix. It like, this is a continual thing. It's a way you're living. Yeah. 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 I love that. So, okay. There's been so much good stuff today. So if you've listened and you're like, okay, I need more of this, where do they find you Becca? And we'll include your links and stuff in the show notes. Okay. My favorite place is usually Instagram. So I'm at the motherhood mentor. And I will say like, I, I always love this. People are like, oh, you're a parenting coach. And it's like, absolutely not. I do coach on motherhood and parenting, but mostly we're talking about being human and emotions and boundaries and sovereignty because my belief and my philosophy, and this is why I created the business the way that I did. When you create that self-leadership, you create it everywhere else in your life, right? And so that's why it's, I don't only work with mothers. I do mostly work with mothers, but women in general can get a lot from it, but people pleasing and stuff. So I'm on Instagram. I am on Facebook, but like, I'm not 
there a ton. So Instagram is probably the best place or they can sign up for my email newsletter. I know you'll have that link. And I lately have loved my emails. I tend to think I'm getting really good at that. And the like, I love your email. I'm telling a They're lot really of truths. I like I'm, yeah. I'm telling a lot of truths and just story and a lot more behind the scenes. And then also I do a lot of free workshops and stuff like that. And all of that comes through email too, if people aren't on social media. Yeah. It's not like the newsletter of like, my dog had this for breakfast. Like, it's like, Hey, I yelled at my kids yesterday with your life over there. And like, this is what something that can help. So like, I love that. Yeah. I yelled at my kids yesterday and this is how I dealt with it. This is how I got through it and over it and more kind of realistic, real stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Definitely go check out Becca's emails and her Instagram. And we have loved having this conversation today. So I hope it's been a blessing to you and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today for listening. And I hope that you were encouraged and learned something new. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you be willing to share it with a friend and to leave us a review? I believe that every woman deserves to understand her body and feel great in it. And you can help me in this mission by sharing the podcast. If you're also feeling like you're ready for the next step and you're really ready to dive in in your hormone journey, my course Nourish Your Hormones is created specifically for you. It's a step-by-step blueprint to increase your metabolism, restore energy, and have better periods and mood every single month. I would love to connect with you. So come over and join me on my Instagram page at Leisha Drews and send me a message. If you have questions or just want to tell me something that you enjoyed about this episode, I can't wait to meet you.